Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 63rd edition of the Insurgents podcast. And today is going to be a little bit different in that Chris Rowe interviews me on the question of how to handle crisis. For those of you who are listening to this recording in the year 2051, many, many years ago in the spring of 2020, we had what was called the coronavirus crisis. And I will talk a little bit about that specifically, but more so the conversation will be about how to handle crisis of any type, whether it's a health crisis, a financial crisis, a relational crisis, or any other kind of crisis. So it will apply to everyone. Two other things. One, we are reinstituting the insurgents bonuses. If you get a copy of my book, Insurgents Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which can be ordered through any online store, particularly the ones listed at insurgents.org, you can get three bonuses. It's very simple. All you do is buy the book and then write an email to insurgentsbonus, all one word, insurgentsbonus at gmail.com, and you will automatically receive the three bonuses. Just make sure you check your spam folders and your promotion folders if you don't see it within 10 minutes. The second thing is, if this podcast blesses you, if any of the episodes encourage you, challenge you, enlighten you, even entertain you, share it with your friends. All you have to do is tell them to look up the Insurgents podcast on any podcast app. We want to get the message out to as many people as possible so they too can be part of the Insurgents. All right, here's the interview. Enjoy it. This is Chris Rowe with Encounter Ministries. And today our guest is the one and only Frank Viola, Frankie V himself, uh, author of Insurgents, uh, From Eternity to Here, God's Favorite Place, and uh, one of his better known works, Pagan Christianity. Um, but don't uh, read that one without reading the companion volume. Reimagining Church. Frank's also written a book on Jesus's heart toward women with Mary Demuth that I really enjoy called The Day I Met Jesus. Just wanted to have him here as we share a candid conversation uh, specifically about how kingdom first seekers handle crisis. Um, so welcome, Frank. Glad you're here. My privilege, Chris. It's great to be on. It's great to chat with you again. And, and I want our listeners to know we are recording this in early April of 2020, and we're in the midst of the virus crisis, the coronavirus. Therefore, uh, I have disinfected this phone with Clorox wipes. I have my mask on and my gloves, so nobody in the listening audience is at risk. Yes, everybody should be safe. Make sure your antivirus software is up to date, and uh, you should be fine listening to this wherever you are. We'll jump, we'll jump right into it, Frank. Um, you've written a landmark book on the kingdom of God called Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, and you have the podcast that we mentioned. We're facing a, a worldwide crisis right now. 
um, could you tell me uh, how kingdom first people are to respond to crisis, any, any kind of crisis, because I don't believe our message is particularly different. It might just be a little more pressing um, at this particular time. So how do kingdom people respond to crisis, personal, international, countrywide, or um, certainly uh, worldwide? Sure. Well, I think we can break crises up into three different types. We have health crisis, we have financial crisis, and we have relational crisis. And for the follower of Jesus Christ, all of those will lead to a spiritual crisis. By that, I mean that the Lord is after one thing only in our pain and our suffering when we go through trial, when we go through uncertainty and difficulty, and that is to transform us into the image of Christ. It's to, in effect, take the crisis and use it as a tool to make us 2.0 versions of ourselves. And so consequently for the Christian, it's, it's easy and unfortunate to waste a good crisis. <laughs> you That's can a waste good a good crisis, yeah, instead of allowing God to use it to achieve his objective in our life. I guess that's what I would say in the beginning. What I've learned in my life, and I'm still learning daily, is um, there are six things, I guess, that come to the forefront about how to survive a crisis and how to thrive in it, okay? Whatever it is, if it's personal or international or global, whatever it is. But first is uh, to embrace the reality of the situation. And this is because we tend to, as human beings, we tend to deny things when they're really bad. Sure. Uh, that's one of our default switches. Either that or we overreact to it and we over-dramatize it. <laughs> but to really take a good hard look at it and face the reality of it, that's huge. Now, for me, my own life, I think one of the best ways to do that is to actually write down what it is and look at it, you know, on paper either type it out on a computer or write it with your hand and see this is what I'm facing right now and accept the reality of it, okay? And the second one would be to refuse to lose hope in the end of the story. Whatever is going on, Chris, it's not permanent. You know, one of the things we learn uh, about nature is, um, you know, no storm lasts forever. No hurricane lasts forever. No earthquake, no tornado lasts forever. They all have an expiration date. So, for example, whatever it is, if it's a health crisis, if it's a financial crisis, a relational crisis, or a virus crisis, it is going to pass. It's not the end of the story, right? So, as God's people, we need to really come to terms with that. We should come to terms with that and hold on hope and say, you know, this is just a chapter in the story of my life. It's not the end of it. And uh, Romans 8.28 has not been removed from the Bible, brother. There you go. All things, both horrific and glorious, work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his eternal purpose. And so it could look black right now, but if I believe God's word and I put my faith in it, then I know that the Lord is going to take these crooked, jagged lines and he's going to turn them straight in the end. And that's true for every believer. That is a promise to hold on to Romans 8.28 no matter how dark it gets. And then the third one, Chris, is to, and boy, this has been a great help to me throughout my life, imagine the worst possible outcome you can think of. And just kind of 
think about it. What what is the worst possible outcome of this crisis? You know, worst case scenario. Just imagine it in your head, and then look at it, and then say, Lord, I don't know how I will get through this if this happens, but I surrender to you. I give this to you. I am okay with this, even though I might not feel okay with it. (laughs) Sure. I'm okay with this because you're going to get me through it, no matter how bad it gets. Our will and our feelings are two very different things, aren't they, Frank? Yeah, absolutely. But once we can, once we can imagine the worst possible outcome and we can surrender to it and we can give it to the Lord, then that removes all the fear. Yeah, I love that. It takes that. the sting of fear out of it. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's kind of like what Jesus said, you know, don't be afraid of the one who can kill the body because that's all they can do. Be afraid of the one who can kill body and soul, yeah, right? So, man. you know, what's the worst you can do to me? You can kill me. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, you only live twice. Uh, <laughs> as a Christian, only lives twice. I'm going to go on. There is no death for us. The sting has been taken out. All right, and then the fourth one is remember that this too shall pass. All throughout Scripture, it, it talks about suffering in the New Testament particularly, but it says for a time, you know, in Peter, in Hebrews, you are suffering now for a time, for a time. So it's going to pass, folks. You know, this is not the end. Five, recall the words of Joseph. Remember Joseph? Yes. Uh, left for dead by his own family, sold into slavery, falsely accused of seducing a leader's wife, imprisoned, mm. and... Um, At the very end, when God turned the whole thing around, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Speaking to his brothers (laughs) who who gave him up, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And so consequently, whatever we suffer, whatever we endure, is going to turn into ministry for others. This is the great message of Paul Tarsus when he wrote 2 Corinthians, the very first chapter, that what we go through in life, and some of us go through things that can kill an elephant, you know, it's so bad, it's so dark, it's so black, it's so painful, but God's objective is not only to bring us through it, but then turn it into ministry and service for others and, I mean, I'm sure you know this, Chris, out of your own life, but we really cannot help people unless we have been where they've been, unless we've been through what they've been through. Sure. And so, consequently, this is a great thing that the Lord does. He, he turns the pyramid of suffering by causing us to be agents of his kingdom to help other people when we get through it. And then the sixth thing is, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Peter's words say it all. In the times of Christ in my own life, Chris, those words have contained thunder and lightning for me. And the words are, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And humility manifests itself in many ways, but some of the ways are tears, a broken heart, which Jesus has promised to heal. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Heeding the advice of your friends opening up to your friends, being vulnerable to people who you can trust, no longer caring about your reputation, refusing to engineer outcomes. 
Yes. And this is a biggie. And I think one of the big things, especially if you're a leader, especially if you have a strong personality, a strong will, uh, especially if you're intelligent, one of the main things that God wants to break in us through crisis is this tendency to engineer outcomes. We try to move the chess pieces on the board the way we want so that we have the outcome we want. And one of the things that God wants us to do is to break that in us so that we become outcome independent. Mm, I like so that. it doesn't matter what the outcome is. We're going to be okay. We're going to go on with the Lord. You know, like the three Hebrew children. Remember, they were thrown in the fiery furnace yeah. because they didn't bow down in the book of Daniel. When they said to the king, they said, we're not going to bow down. God will deliver us. But then they turned around and said, even if he doesn't. But even if he doesn't. We still, <laughs> right? We still are not going to bow down. Yeah. Even if he doesn't. That's outcome independence. That's good. So uh, those, would be, those would be six things that, uh, that I've learned through personal crisis, and that can apply to any crisis, no matter what it is. So, so helpful, Frank. And just uh, not only spiritual, but practical. Um, just the idea of laying those things down, um, but, but owning them too. Um, you mentioned doing that with your friends, your faith family, your, uh, the, the trustworthy circle of believers that are with you. Um, and I think a lot of folks find themselves um, honestly because of, our, of the way that we tend to do church and faith family to find themselves still distanced from a great portion of those. So I would, if I could add anything um, as we come out of this is certainly Find a place, um, a group, if you do not have that, a, a couple of people with whom when these crisis, crises hit um, that, that, you, that really are trustworthy. Um, and you have to do that by, by risking. Sometimes your reputation will yeah. be tarnished, and, and, and the Lord is working even in that. Um, so thank you. It's a great, such great help. Um, from what you can see right now, Frank, how are most Christians are reacting to the present coronavirus? <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think this would apply to any crisis when it gets to a national level or an international level, but certainly right now during this virus crisis. And uh, I see two reactions. One is there are people who think the whole thing has been blown way out of proportion. So their reaction is back to your home, citizens, and leave them whenever you want, by the way. <laughs> There's nothing to see here, Okay. The media's blown it up, the government's blown it up, the internet has blown it up, and, uh, you know, it's just a big nothing burger, okay? You got that reaction. Then you have the other reaction, which is on the other end of the scale, and that's, you know, the people who have launched the panic nukes, and they equate the virus with Armageddon. Yeah. And uh, for them, it's the end of the world, <laughs> right? It's, it's the REM outcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yep, yep. It's the end of the world, and you know it. Is that those are the lyrics, yes, right? Yes. So you have that, and here's here's the other subset of the second group, and to me, it's a horrifying number of people who have engaged in this, and that is the accepting and spreading of crazy town loony bird conspiracy theories. Come on. Now, I I, <laughs> I just put out an article yesterday. In fact. And, and I would encourage people who are interested in uh, this business of the virus crisis and how to respond to it to check it out. It's on my blog, frankviola.org forward slash vaccine. And it's called uh, Vaccine for the Virus, 
uh, wash your hands 20 seconds before reading. So it's peppered with some humor. But basically, I make the point that many of the conspiracy theories, which you'll find all over social media, pushed and peddled by Christians themselves, are about as believable as the idea that the coronavirus was concocted by Jim Morrison with the help of Tupac Shakur <laughs> in a Breaking Bad lab owned by John Lennon and Michael Jackson. Wasn't Elvis in there somewhere, too? <laughs> <laughs> so I call these people serial Christians, the flakes, <laughs> the fruits, and the nuts. There you go. And, brother, they come out of the woodwork in droves whenever there is a crisis, and they spew this nonsense all over the place. So that's another reaction <laughs> that I see. But, you know, there is such an opportunity here for God's people, and maybe we can talk about that a little later. But I tell you what, it's um, to default either to there's nothing here or to this is the end of the world. That To me, those are, those are not helpful approaches. Getting back to point one, accept the reality of the situation. And uh, I think uh, those of us who are in this particular crisis or any other that comes down the pike, that's huge. We have to accept the reality, all right? That requires tuning out a lot and just going to trusted sources to really find out what in the world is going on. It is. So. That's, that's great, Frank. And I think that it points out our idolatry of um... – News that's become entertainment, and, and we every, everyone has their own brand. Um, you know, you, certain people like certain movies, certain people like certain um, news outlets, and, and they tend to idolize them. And, and, and to the exception of um, some basic uh, understanding. Um, and so I think it points out our idols um, on both sides of the aisle. Our hope and our trust ought to always be in Jesus Christ, not in any human being. I mean, you know, we can have a measure of confidence in them, but when we start pushing that envelope of trust to the point where we get bent out of shape if that guy or girl doesn't get into office, then we've made that person an idol. That's good. That's good. I, I, the, the measure for me, and I think this is, this is a biblical principle as well, um, is what is the fruit of what's being shared? Um, is it is it to produce fear, or is it to produce hope? Um, is it to produce some sort of connection to or affiliation, um, affection for uh, the method itself? And so, um, just just to walk carefully in that. Um, uh, next, man, just what what can you give us that is that are practical, specific um, tips on how to handle this particular crisis, um, spiritual practices, and and physical, if you would. Yeah, I'll share a few. And this not only applies, Chris, to the present virus crisis, but it applies to any crisis. If you have a personal tsunami in your own life, whether it's a health crisis, a personal crisis, a relational crisis, or a financial crisis, you know, these would apply. Number one, whenever the sky is falling in our lives and everything's going to pieces and our world is collapsing, it's critical to lean hard on those things that never change. All right. And so this is where we get out scripture. This is where we look at Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that's huge because when everything is moving and shaking and nothing's certain, we have to lock on to that which we can be confident in. Because uncertainty usually and typically leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. 
it leads to all sorts of things that we don't want in our life. Fear, self-doubt, our brains downshift into fight, flight, or freeze. And fear makes us reactive, but confidence makes us proactive. And so we look to Christ who doesn't change. We look to God's word that doesn't change. The other one is to remember, speaking of things that don't change, is the 23rd Psalm. And I'm going to remix this for, for our listeners. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of virus, I will fear no evil. All right, and you can insert, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of divorce. Sure. Or though I walk through the valley of the shadow of a loss of my job. Or though I walk through the valley of the shadow of illness. Or I walk through the valley of the shadow of child rebellion. Right? Sure. Whatever sure. it is, you can put that in there. And the end of it is, I will, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, O oh Lord, are with me. You never leave me. And notice we walk through it. That means it's not our destination, Chris. Right. Amen. It's something we walk through. We don't run through it either, which indicates it's usually a slow process. Yes. You know, every crisis I've been involved in or have hit me out of the blue, man, I wanted it to end a lot sooner than it did. But it eventually ended. And we even pray that way, um, and understandably. But um, I, I like the way the message says or in, in the first chapter of James, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it finish its work. Oh, wow. Definitely. That, that, whole, that whole chapter in the message is, is powerful. Well, the point there is that some things, in order to get through them, you have to go through them. As painful as it is, God has a purpose in the pain. And back to Psalm 23, you know, the valley of the shadow of death or whatever it is that you're going through, shadows are always bigger than the substance. Oh, yeah. Right? So if something's casting a shadow, the shadow is much bigger. It's more fearful. It's, It's scarier. But where shadows exist, so does light. And so when we're walking through the shadow of whatever the crisis is, The Lord is calling us to turn to the light and put our backs against the shadow. Not deny that they're there, but not allow fear to grip our heart, for I will fear no evil. All right, so that's that's another point. Another one, Chris, I think, which is huge, I've trained myself to do this anytime I face a difficulty, but that is every crisis gives us a new opportunity for something. Mm. So right now... We're all on solitary confinement (laughs) uh, with this present coronavirus. You know, while the downside of that is, you know, it's easy to get cabin fever, what's the good side? Well, the good side is more time with family. Now, that can be good or bad depending on if your relationship with your family is healthy, right? Certainly. Unfortunately, domestic abuse is going up right now. That's the dark side of it. Right. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, for the follower of Christ, this is an opportunity to learn how to become version 2.0 of yourself with your family, with your spouse, with your children, right? And to deepen those roots and to be able to, you know, if you're not working, for example, here's an opportunity to listen to some really good podcasts. Yeah. And I have one in particular that I would recommend above all others. <laughs> and what one would that be? Uh, 
<laughs> well, I'm being facetious partly, but I do think I do think your listeners would enjoy the Insurgents podcast because one of my partners, one of my conversation partners, is none other than Denzel Washington. So, for that reason alone, they should listen in. And he he is more than entertaining; he's captivating. <laughs> yes, he is. If you listen to the podcast, you'll understand our comment. But no, you have time to read. You have time to listen. You have time to think. One of the things I've learned, too, is that creativity thrives when we have few obligations and lots of free time. So this is a time to reset your life. This is a time to allow creativity to flourish. Time to think. Time to read. Time to listen. Time to... Spend time with Jesus Christ and build some new routines in your life. You know, that's something I encourage people to do as well. Build some new routines in your life. So my point is, every crisis gives us some opportunities for something brand new to take place. It makes things possible that ordinarily would not be possible for us. Those would be the main things that I would say to people who uh, are looking for some practical encouragement and recommendations on what they can do during a crisis, any crisis, but in particular this one as well. Man, again, very valuable, very valuable, Frank. You mentioned two things that really stuck out to me. Um, one, you continue to use this word, and it's such a basic word, you, you continue to use this word with. And I have a friend who wrote a book about, about kind of about that word, so maybe that's why it stands out to me. But you talked about being with your family and spending time with God. And, and there's this, it, there's, in, it indicates or it, it intimates that there is presence. Um, you're not spending time around your family. You're not spending time around Jesus. Um, it is, there is some sort of interchange. There's some of exchange going on when you are with them that requires attentive presence. If I go sit outside while my kids are playing, that's better than if I don't. But if I go play with my kids, if I enter into just that, that, that little preposition changes that. If I, if I go, if I go for a walk, um, I'm certainly in the presence of God um, through his nature, um, but I could miss being with him um, if I don't, if I don't catch the power of that uh, preposition. Um, the other word you used was shadows and how big they get. Um, and it reminded me of a game I played with my kids. Um, I, I can take, we'll turn the lights off in one of our rooms that when it's dark and I'll take this, I'll take the flashlight and I'll put it as low on the ground behind them as I can and point it up at them. And it makes them, their shadow is so huge that it's even on the ceiling. And we talk about monsters and we talk about doubt and we talk about difficulty and how from, from, from certain viewpoints, the shadows are overwhelming. They're scary. And and then as we raise that light, as the light becomes, takes its rightful place, if you will, if you'll allow that there. And, and, and it goes above them. The shadow begins to shrink and in fact, if we hold it directly above them, it almost doesn't exist anymore. And so I, I love the idea that, that, that the enemy uses shadows as intimidation 
Um, when the truth is the light always overcomes the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Um, and when you talk about an insurgent kingdom, when you talk about reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, there's the light coming to fullness against the darkness. And, and that's, that's what I love about what you write and about what you express is the end of that story is always that the light overcomes the darkness. So I mean, that's, that's huge to me in this. Amen. That's awesome. It's interesting, too, because we can learn about social distancing from our animals. Um, my cat has a Ph.D. in social distancing. That'll uh, <laughs> My dog can't social distance for three minutes. Yes. He's always with me. <laughs> so I, I love that point that you made. And, and here's another thing, too. You know, social distancing doesn't mean emotional distancing. Sure. Here's another opportunities we can have during this time. You know, pick up your phone and connect with people you haven't talked to in a long time. Old friends, family members, extended family. You know, text them, call them, hit them up on Facebook while the internet is still available. Yes. <laughs> That's partly a joke, folks, or people predicting the end of the internet. Oh my goodness. Um, but my point is, is that Again, every crisis presents a new opportunity for you. What does this crisis make possible in your life? Yeah. And that's what I would encourage every listener to think about. What does this make possible? What can I do that's positive, that's helpful, that will move the needle further in God's purpose in my life? And I mentioned several already, but, you know, that's something to really consider right now. That's great. That's great. Even, even the name Emmanuel. Um, the the emphasis mm. on, on on God with us. So um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I want to get to some practical stuff for the folks that are listening too. Um, beyond uh, Insurgents as a podcast and the book, you have the Deeper Christian Life Network, of which I'm a member. Um, and just a little testimony for me: the, the there have been two really huge values in that for me. There are times that I wonder. That I, that I wonder if, if, if the church in general is thinking the same things I'm thinking. Are people reading the thing? And the truth is, a lot of them aren't. Um, I live in the South, and the spirit of religion, um, which I believe is, is active and works against the church, but in the church, is huge here. Um, and so I, I wonder, I'm looking for, and I, and I have a, a, an intimate community but I wonder in the larger community, you know, do I have people to connect with that, that speak the same language, um, that understand how the kingdom, as I believe it, is working, that it is invading and returning um, in power to this earth? Are, are those people around? And, and if so, can we talk about the deep things of God? And so the Deeper Christian Life Network provides a community of folks who are speaking the same language. Um, that they are, they are a tribe, if you will that allow us to um, connect and not have to explain ourselves before we connect. And two, uh, Frank, I, and I know you do a productivity course. Um, I, some, some of the, sometimes I sit around and wonder how you blow through and get all of this stuff out, but there is, there is more information, good information along the lines of what God is speaking to my heart. Um, and you are, I mean, it's, a, you offer master classes and these discussion rooms and, the, the material that's available is, is like I have, it's a buffet. I have choices of what to take in with, with that time that I have. Um, and, and so far I have not exhausted it. 
Um, it's kind of like your enormous book. This one, there must be more. It's kind of like this. I have not, <laughs> I have not exhausted it yet. And so it provides uh, more uh, information even than I can get to, which, which leaves me hopeful. Um, a lot of times we've exhausted a lot of libraries and my book budget um, and my Kindle budget. Um, and so for, for about, you know, less than we pay for, um, for, or for what about, about what we pay for Netflix. Um, I have, I have my own library and community of both. So talk about all of, all of the things that you have available, but certainly um, the Deeper Christian Life Network. Well, I would say that the Deeper Christian Life Network is probably the best resource I've ever produced, you know, beyond my books, beyond the podcasts, because that emerged out of a great need that was voiced by many, many Christians over the years who have read my work. And basically, they would say a couple things. One is, there's got to be more than what I have been exposed to in the Christian life. There's got to be more to church. There's got to be more to what I know of the scripture. There's got to be more of the Lord. I mean, that's the heartbeat that I have heard over and over again. And it's actually what pushed me into ministry because I had that same heartbeat myself. And, and that's what led to the discoveries I made that became the books and the podcasts and so forth. There's got to be more than this, right? So that was one of the cries. The other cry is, I can't find anybody. I go to church, I go to Sunday school, I go to Bible study, but I can't find anybody that just wants to talk about the Lord. You know, they either want to talk about politics or sports or the cares of this world, but the Lord, I want to know the Lord. I, I want to I deepen my relationship with the Lord. And so there was that. And then a third one was, hey, we've read your book, Insurgents, or we've read, you know, From Eternity to Here, or we've read one of the other books. And they say, we want more. We want to go deeper. You know, do you have anything that goes deeper? So I put all that together and I thought, how about a network that would produce my best material that's not found anywhere else, you know, exclusive to the network, and then have that network be the vehicle by which these people who are on the same page, they want to go deeper in the Lord. They want to go deeper in the scripture. They want to go deeper in fellowship, connect with each other. And so we launched the Deeper Christian Life Network in 2015. I think you were one of the first people to, to be a part of it. And then we have a yearly conference where we all come together from all over the world. It's incredible when you see people from China and Japan and the Philippines and Germany and Australia and Canada and all over the U.S. come together and we're all seeking Jesus Christ together. And the level of maturity is just unbelievable. I mean, we call it the Deeper Christian Life Network because so many of us feel that modern-day Christianity is just shallow. It's just so superficial. This is what I hear from so many people is they say, I cannot turn on the radio. I cannot turn on the television. I cannot go to church. It doesn't matter what church it is. And here's, here's somebody preach, and it's the same thing I've been hearing for years and years and years. There's nothing new. There's nothing fresh. There's nothing revolutionary. It's all the same stuff. That's the dilemma I was in, Chris, as a young Christian. It's like, man, I, you know, after a while, this is all the same. And, and just people are echoing one another. Where is the fresh, the real, the powerful, the, the revolutionary, the new? And so that's what we do on the Deeper Christian Life Network is we, 
it's fresh manna for God's people, and we learn from one another, and, and I'm learning a ton from, from the Lord's people on it. And another thing, too, is with this recent crisis, we have a forum where we're helping each other. Yeah. You know, just um, the other day, there was people looking for elderberry to boost their immune system, and oh, they're saying, I can't find el- elderberry anywhere, and then there's one brother says, well, look, I can get it for you. And so he just sent the other one some elderberry. You know, it's that wow. kind of help. Just simple things like that, but powerful, you know, and yeah. helping people get work and helping people financially. I mean, there's been people helping one another financially behind the scenes. You know, they're out of work, and you got another Christian who's on the Deeper Christian Life Network. They're working fine. They have extra money. Send them money to each other. So it's really a beautiful thing. Well, it's been it's been powerful for me, um, and certainly um, between that and the the ministry mind um, that uh, where I met Jeffrey, and really not just Jeffrey. I mean, I have out of out of ten, I have stayed in touch with closely four or five um, wow. of the folks, um, and Jeffrey has just simply been my closest and most consistent um, brother. He challenges me, and again, you know, kind of like you and Jeffrey or Denzel, except for the Lord, there would be no. There'd be no reason that this dude from New Jersey uh, and you would have somehow become friends. Um, and, and, and he said, and he's being nice on the front end. He says, I, I don't understand how this dude from Arkansas who now lives in Birmingham, Alabama has become such a deep friend of mine. Like I would have, yeah. I would have judged that very differently. Um, and so I'm just very thankful for the connections of that. And you said something that we mentioned when we talked before we began recording. You talked about how you are learning from these uh, people and these connections in the network. And uh, when I attended Ministry Mind, the thing that, that most pleased me, made my heart glad, was that you did very similar to what Jesus did, and you stepped down into the group. Um, that you didn't con- you didn't hold on to your um, authorship and celebrity. Um, that you actually became a peer within the group. Certainly, you offered uh, guidance. But you also uh, allowed room for people to grow and guide and speak uh, into your life. And that's a humility that, that I just deeply appreciated, have continued to. Um, you didn't distance yourself or put yourself above anyone, but you really did um, love well by uh, participating. And you do that in the network as well. It just, it's, it's a really great and valuable uh, resource. Uh, did did we did we miss any other of, of the resources that um, that you've got? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I, I have quite a few. I've got you know not only the books and the podcasts. I actually have three podcasts. And when people go to frankvella.org, just look up podcasts at the top, and you'll see all three. Now the Insurgents podcast is probably the most popular one right now, but I've got another one called Christ Is All, and then I've got another one called The Deeper Journey. And folks, you got nothing better to do. I mean, we got zombies outside. You got to stay in the house anyway. So why not listen to a podcast? That's right. But anyway, the other one is I've got a a course that you take at your own pace. You have it for life. It's called Prolific, mm-hmm. and Prolific. People can find it at prolificcourse.com. But over the years, Chris, I've had people say, how in the world do you do all the things you do? You know, where do you find the time? Do you not sleep? I have learned the art of productivity and goal setting over many years and through trial and error. And so um, I have systems that I use to get the most done with my time. And I just unveil it all in Prolific. It's a very practical course 
But somebody's interested in finding their mission in life, I have tools to, to help you discover your mission. I have my own routines, uh, the way I save time, the way I produce, uh, how I ignite my creativity and fuel it. So it's a productivity, goal setting, find your mission, creativity course called Prolific. And of course, the biggest one, I guess, would be the Deeper Christian Life Network. We also have a YouTube channel called The Deeper Journey. And that also can be found on my blog, frankviola.org. And also, I have a yearly training, a live training called Scribe, S-C-R-I-B-E. And that is my training for people who want to write a book to become an author, not only to write it, you know, the best way to write it, but also how to promote it in ways that are effective and non-spammy, and then also how to how to get people beyond your mother and your brother to read it. That's good. Um, we actually go into the process of how to hit a bestseller list. So that's all in Scribe. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Frank, uh, I am just continually blessed by your friendship and by your con- the connections that God's given us. I look forward, as God allows, to see you here in October. Uh, or down there in October. And yeah. um, Lord willing, maybe we'll get you up here um, someday and share with uh, our network of leaders as well. Uh, just my, my life is better. My family uh, is better. My faith is, is stronger uh, because of the ministry that God's doing through you. So thank you. Thank you for being willing to be on our podcast today. Praise the Lord, man. All glory goes to Jesus Christ. He is incredible. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be on, man. Man, me too. Thank you so much, Frank. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Stay safe. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.